Oh, you can keep doing that. September 28th. We uh, we have a lot to get to. Not that I want to split this up into two parts, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but hello, my dear friend, Alexandria. Pause for one second. Someone's at my door. Hold on. Wow. I know. And we're, and we're done. And we're done. And I'm going to meet you. Hold on. No, 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 no. We, we do have a lot to get to today. Um, I threw this post up on Facebook. I pecked out. I, I typed out this, this essay while I was walking on the treadmill at the gym and because it, likely because it included a couple of words that ended in uh, ist, um, I don't think the algorithm liked it. So we'll get to um, hmm. um, the unstoppable cycle and I want Alex's opinion on that. We will uh, we'll start, I'm sorry, I know some people some people are not enjoying this, but I, I am. Let's start with Travis Kelsey and Taylor no, Swift. No, God, no. When I tell you I just got off a call about that not even five minutes ago. What do you no. Mean, what do you mean you got off a call? Were, were you? People, people are calling me and asking me questions. <laughs> I'm like, I have no answers and I am not fishing for them either. If you haven't heard before, um, Alex... Alex says he only dates black girls, and I think you can look that up pretty easily on the internet. And Taylor <laughs> Swift is the farthest thing from a black girl you can possibly find. And quite frankly, I don't think he is her type either. But right, okay, then I will leave this at at at, at that. Um, I will leave it with this: she is reportedly uh, going to his game Sunday night football. I saw that. I believe it's. I think it's in New York. The Chiefs play the Jets, so NBC has to be pissing themselves in joy because that game was scheduled because Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Now it's now it's Travis Patrick and Taylor versus Zach Wilson. Like they have to be so happy. So I, the only memes that I am enjoying, because this is actually incredibly awkward for me, and it's not like we're like besties, but Travis and his core group of friends, including his mother, are very much in the spotlight. And it's very strange for me to consistently see like my friends or people that I have known and kind of grew up with up to moving to Toledo, really, um, in such a, like, constant like it's like you see it when you're on social media when i'm in my office scrolling social media on my phone it's there when i get into the car it's on the radio when i come home it's on the news it's just non-stop and it's very strange for me it's just it's very strange but um i saw the one meme that that kind of made me laugh and it's probably because i'm petty I'm not a fan of Brittany Mahomes because from what I've seen and how the media portrays her, at least she comes off as like annoying. And so they, you know, the memes where it's like Brittany Mahomes is in the background, super jealous, (laughs) makes me laugh (laughs) because she can't compete with Taylor Swift. (laughs) Like she is now non-existent because of Taylor Swift. 
I, I have enjoyed this because it's the nexus of my two worlds that mm-hmm. I spend most of my time immersed in. Um, sports, and then I work on a pop radio station, and she is the biggest artist on earth. And I, this is this is also fascinating to me because of your like ties mm-hmm. to him. And also, um, he is, Jason Kelsey is an honorary Philadelphian. I, do you remember what he wore during the Eagles parade when they won the Super Bowl? I do. The uh, the mummer's outfit. I didn't know what it was called, yeah. but that glitter-fied like, outfit. Yeah, and I remember his speech. I did watch his speech. Yeah, and it, that endeared him to the city forever, a city that doesn't really... Like, you understand, like... Cleveland um, and how it is with sports fans and it, mm-hmm. you know you love your stars but there are some that the city just embraces more so than others sure. and and Jason Kelsey is an official Philadelphian um, so that's how I'm I'm following it and like the other day or we on their podcast and he brought it up mm-hmm. and last week he's like oh yeah they're totally like I have been enjoying the heck out of all of this and you know what I've seen some people who have shit and I, I know we weren't going to talk about this so I'll wrap it up with this yeah, no, you're fine it's fine I know some people are like, you know what? I like it's kind of annoying, but I like it because I don't see any negative news. Yeah, I mean, you you never really do with them in some ways. Like, so I did end up watching the Kelsey documentary, like the Jason Kelsey documentary on Prime, and uh, it was it, it was just super nice to see. And Jason is who he has always been in many ways, uh, and he's older. He's older than me. He was older than my brother and he's older than me. So he didn't spend as much time with us when we were younger, but, um, he is still the same person. Like if you look at that documentary and you see their house, it's very ordinary for an NFL player of his status. I would say it's not ordinary for me. Like it's probably in a super nice neighborhood and really expensive, but it's like ordinary for an NFL player. And even the inside of the home, like he is just who he is. And it's so ironic because Travis, is very like um, his personality is a lot more uh, it's not performative it's just more colorful like it's a lot down to what he wears you know when he hangs out it's just a, more colorful less uh, I don't know ordinary I, I like to say that in the nicest way but um, they are but how they are like on their shows and on the podcast and all of that is very aligned with just who they have always been and they've always been good people his their mom has always been a good person like when i say we would have like dinners together over there and i'd be with mama kelsey and i'd be the only girl so the moms would always kind of give me a little bit more attention or i would go sit at the table with the moms when the boys were playing too rough and i couldn't come over there you know so um it's just nice to see it's it's weird, like I said, so it's a weird feeling, but I'm really happy for all, I always have been, like even when Catching Kelsey came out years ago. But um, I'm, I'm very happy for the family and for my friends that Travis has lifted to the level that he has. I'm really happy for all of them. When I meant there, there's no negative news, uh, oh. like it has completely taken over the entire news cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it has. 
Like, it absolutely has. A, a cop killed a guy in Philadelphia, was charged with murder. The charges were dropped and... They rioted a little bit too, didn't they? Or they just looted? A, a, a looted, looted. I thought it was going to be much, much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Phillies happened to clinch a playoff spot that night, so I was making some jokes with my friend back home, uh, Nicole. But it has consumed the news cycle. Yeah. Um, can you think of any news stories, local, national, at, more so national, at all? Mm, no. Yeah. It's kind of particularly. So in that realm, it's kind of nice. It's um, just, yeah, 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 you're right. One uh, one local story that I didn't get to earlier in this week, and, and this was predictable um, with the rise of food trucks. Did you see that... Um, the council wants to draw up something that says they, they just got to stay away from restaurants unless they are invited um, by the restaurant. And I know that there's some fees and, and whatnot. I hope this doesn't get get everybody all upset because, to be honest, um, if you're a food truck and you set, out, set up outside somebody's restaurant, like, that's not cool mm-hmm. um, unless, again, you got permission or were invited. That would be like, uh, that would be like Megan broadcasting her show from my parking lot here at the station. I heard you talking about that on air, and I agree with that. At first, I don't know, it was almost presented as if they can't be outside of any business. It makes sense that they can't necessarily be outside of a restaurant, but I feel like even then there should be some specifics. If there is a food service that doesn't, like, so I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of, what is it, Ernest Brew Works? Like, yeah. it would make sense for them to be there because they don't provide food there. And they're invited. You know what I mean? And they're, they're invited. They I mean, are invited, yeah. Like, the Ernest on Detroit, like, they arguably kicked off the, hey, this, uh, this brewery is going to work because we just have mm-hmm. food trucks and we don't need a kitchen. So I hope that this can get worked out with, without things getting testy because it seems like it's a fairly, there are some reasonable asks. I would love to see, though, like a food truck park. So there's just a dedicated spot in Toledo where food trucks know that they can go and pull up, maybe schedule it out, and they know they can go and pull up. And the public, it's kind of like how we have, is Walnut Wednesday in Toledo or is that in Cleveland? There's a a day in Toledo where food trucks would go up to uh, Levis Square, I think it is. Yeah, Thursday's lunch at Levis. I would love to see that, like, though, on the weekends and on certain weeknights, not just during lunchtime. I have an idea um, that ties to my more serious issue I, I want to get to in a couple of minutes. But you're, you're right. Like, we can we can get creative with this, and it doesn't have to get testy because... Um, and I hope the food trucks don't feel like they're being, like, overtaxed or it's a slew of fees. And I hope mm-hmm. city council doesn't hit them with that. Like, I, I, I get it in the same way that Perrysburg had to come up with some money for the farmer's market because extra police and cleanup. Like, this, is the, let's keep this reasonable and everybody can compromise and, and everybody wins. Uh, maybe the Metro Park, maybe the Toledo Metro Parks should do that, you know. Yeah, they can. Mm-hmm. Um. I sent it to you this morning, and and you you saw the future. So I I had said, do you, do you remember me? Throw it wasn't fear, but it was concern that you have so many people who put so much and drama out on social media, and they also proliferate um, 
the, the healthcare field. We have mm-hmm. so many people in this community that work in healthcare, and these people have access to extremely private information. Mm-hmm. And it was always kind of unsettling to me that what's a what's a great um, so Brittany mm-hmm. spelled B R I T N E E, who drops all her stuff on social, also has access to that private information. Um, it was concerning to, to me. And I know that like they can probably do as much as they want without saying the name. I guess that makes it a HIPAA violation, even though you could probably describe someone and know who it is right. w- without being oh, named. Sure. Oh, sure. So um, a girl that I matched with on Hinge, and I just kind of left it there. I'm like passively on that site. She messaged me last night and let me make sure I get this exactly right. Um, where is my text to you? Cause I did not save it. Um, Ashley who totally, yeah, Ashley, A S H L E E. If I'm correct in who you are, I believe I had some interactions with you some years ago at a doctor's office. I worked at, um, I, with, with some, I, I think I said this in good nature. That seems like a spiritual violation of HIPAA, unless I violate it on my own, which I often do, Um, which I do because I put all my mental health stuff out there and there's a couple of things that I've never shared and there's, there's no reason to, but, uh, like that kind of confirmed my concern that a lot of people who are not necessarily responsible in their personal lives or what they dangle out there have so much private information at their fingertips every day. And as you predicted, she unmatched. <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of scared her. I mean, I knew your reaction was like a joke, but I think because like you don't fuck around with HIPAA, I think you might have scared her in, in some ways. <laughs> And, you know, like, she didn't seek you out because she knew you from the doctor's office. I think she sought you out because she was probably like, hey, I remember seeing this dude in the doctor's office and I couldn't say anything to him now then. And I probably shouldn't say anything to him now, but I'm going to shoot my shot. And if I'm if I'm being honest, I've done that before. Don't don't kill me. Um, we know that I used to work in property management and there was one or two men. And in my defense, I was new in a city. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have friends. I certainly didn't have any romantic prospects. And I had access to people's phone numbers and their like address. I even had access to their financial information, again, because I worked in a apartment, like a leasing office where you had to be approved to get the apartment. And there was like two people where I specifically used their numbers. I'm like, hey, this isn't meant to be inappropriate. I just thought we connected in the office and I wondered if you wanted to hang out. (laughs) And it was such, at the time, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But I was also like 22. Now, that was dumb. Like that was really dumb. (laughs) You know what I mean? I would say when it comes to HIPAA and medical things, it's far worse yeah like yeah you don't want your financials out there but like and financials and social security number you can be off and running but this person has like when you see medical records um their their sexuality um the social security number like on and on and on and i didn't mean that you're probably right like i hope she just got 
said, oh, I shouldn't have said anything like that. And, and then the other thing that is somewhat involved in this is it takes it to another level-ish is my name. Like, when I'm at mm-hmm. the doctor, I am not Eric Chase. Right. So, and, and there have been times before because of this concern um, that I thought I should go to, when I go to, to doctors, I should go, like, out of the area. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Be, and... and because we know this is a very small, like, somehow, for some reason, like, this town, this city, Toledo, mimics, like, small one-stop light towns where everybody seems to know everybody, or you're just, like, you're way fewer than six degrees of separation from somebody. Um, I agree. So, <laughs> and and I, I don't think I'm wrong. I will not retract the fact that I think there are a, a lot of people, there are a lot of 22-year-old Alexes mm-hmm. um, who are 28 and 34 and still doing this shit. And I know, I, I can't recall specific fact, but I know people have been fired over this and rightly so. I was, it was like wildly inappropriate for me and at the t- at the time i truly didn't feel like i was doing anything wrong i mean i i did know that it like wasn't okay but m- me now like it was borderline like really super creepy and i should not have done that and it like i i would have easily been fired if that would have happened but it's only creepy when a guy does it <laughs> well i mean i was really shooting my shot too and it was I'm like, God, I'm like lonely and I need some friends and you're super cute. And in my defense, whatever they made financially didn't, I didn't hang my hat on that. It didn't bother me at all. And I did get a couple dates out of it too. Good. But it was like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, Alex, that was real bold and real dumb. And in addition to like, you, it's only creepy if you're a guy, it's creepier if you're not an attractive guy, but <laughs> um, if you are, they could take it the wrong way, but they could also be like, I am so glad you reached out to me in this not very cool way. Let's hook up. I guess so. But in my mind, like I was a little insecure at the time too. And I'm like, well, if they were into me, they would ask me out. Like they know where I am. They know where to find me. Maybe they're, maybe they're scared of you. I don't know. It, anyway, it was... <laughs> So I had my own story related to that. But yeah, I think you scared poor Ashley. She shot her shot and you didn't shoot it down. But I think you're, you invoke some fear where she's like, never mind. I I will try to go track her down on Facebook. Tell her you're uh, sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. Uh, um, well, don't tell her that either. I, I I'll be like. You, you're okay, but you have confirmed my 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 fright that too many irres- there are a lot of irresponsible people who have access to private sensitive information mm-hmm. that people don't want anything of out there. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people who are just stunned that I'm like, yeah, picked up my Cymbalta today on the radio. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right, serious thing now, and I can weave the food food truck in into this thing. So last night I went to um, a town hall at the the library branch on Glansman, held by uh, Councilman Hobbs. There were only a couple of people there. There was a sixty something uh, middle class white couple who sat right next to me, and they were displeased that it looks like this. Uh, 
this apartment building is still going to happen in the Southland parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about this before, months ago, when the first um, anger about it arose. And my points at the time still remained, and I, I think I shared a part of this to them last night. Um, who was targeted by that complex were people that were not much worse off than people in the area of South Toledo, which is like right. a couple hundred yards, you know, this is not Ottawa Hills around here, so you're, you're all driving similar vehicles and things like that. So um, people who aren't that far off the financial spectrum for you, that's not, that's not who's moving in. And uh, it's zoned for business, and the business, there are no businesses. Like You have the Planet Fitness there. Ernest didn't move in, um, probably because they didn't want to build a kitchen or got a better deal otherwise. I don't know what this sh the shops are there. There's a rent-a-center. It is certainly not a booming. There's a big uh, lot. There are big lots. It is certainly not a, a booming uh, commercial spot. Right. Nobody right. else is pining to get in there. And there's a lot of chicken in the egg. If you make it nicer, will they come? Or will it be nicer after you come? I put a lot of where I'm going with this on on like the landlords, whether it's commercial or, or apartment properties for not holding people up to a standard. Uh, you can look into Beale properties in the area. They are reviled and, and are maybe like slumlords for the properties that they, they oversee. Mm -hmm. um, these people said that they were called racist at the, the city hall meeting because of who they were concerned about moving in. Mm. I didn't, I didn't say this Classist, to him, but maybe it's not, yeah, it's not racist. Like, Hey, if you, it, it's racist to think that white people right. can't be poor and criminals too. Um, and I get what they were alluding to. And they had said, um, we've seen this before when there's some turnover, when something comes in, you know, we're right. concerned about a bad element. And I completely understand that. Um, and what I, and I know you were, you know where I'm, I'm going with this, but what I wanted to ask you is, especially since you have now lived in two cities yourself, mm -hmm. this cycle happens everywhere. And granted, right. I have not been around for a long time, but I've got, you know, four or five decades of experience to share. Um, how do, how do you stop this cycle? My, my dad said shit used to creep up the boulevard where he grew up decades ago is now mm -hmm. not a good place. Where I grew up further up the boulevard is not as clean and as safe as it was when I grew up. Right. Um, when I went home to go visit a couple weeks ago, shit creeps up the boulevard. And I think it begins where things just age and mm -hmm. new places get developed and people who can move out of those neighborhoods do. People who are slowly building more income from those lesser neighborhoods, move into that neighborhood like neighbors of Paul's now. And that's just like the normal cycle of of communities. And I think there's a lot of people responsible for maybe the bad element that these people are concerned about. And I, my question for you is, one, have you seen this cycle in Toledo, or in, in Cleveland? And I'm sure your answer is yes. And how do we stop it? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, my version of shit creeped up the the boulevard for for me. It was like shit creeped up the valley because I lived in Upper Valley. Um, it I, I so from the point that I moved into my neighborhood to when we moved out, it had drastically changed in demographic and it had drastically changed in socioeconomic status and it had drastically changed in then quality. And so I understand what they're saying, but 
it doesn't like I almost feel like and like good for them for thinking that they but them amplifying their voice is really going to make a difference. It's truly not because it is the cycle that is so common. Just like there's like to me, there's two cycles. There are cycles where um, things move into neighborhoods and areas and accessibility for neighborhoods and areas grows. And it's not like luxury accessibility. It's like that mid range accessibility um, and you know, you may then see a change in that neighborhood, but then in other neighborhoods where they are turning it into some luxury area, then that cycle becomes individuals that may be in, in this Southland neighborhood are then getting priced out. You know what I mean? Like taxes are increasing, um, affordable housing affordability is increasing because they brought in a Trader Joe. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's two different cycles and I, and it's not, neither one of them are really going to stop. And I like, I understand like, you know what they're saying, but I just feel like, I don't know, like white flea is a thing, if that makes any sense. And that's what happened in my neighborhood. Like, again, it's not a race thing. You're right. It's a classism thing. But at one point in our country, you know, the majority of people that made up the upper middle, the like not mid middle, upper middle class to upper class were white folks. So it really came out as white flea, you know, and that's white. literally what happened in my neighborhood. We were one of the only like black families and black kids in my neighborhood. And then when I got when I was 18 and my dad ended up moving out of that house, there was next to no white families in our neighborhood. Um. Was it a bad element or are they just boring black people like the boring white people that live there? No, I mean, there was a, there was definitely a change in in the quality of the neighborhood. There, yeah. there, there definitely was. And there's reasons for that. Like we I mean, when we moved to that neighborhood, we moved from the hood in Cleveland. I, I mean, I live. I moved to Toledo from a Cleveland suburb, but I lived in Cleveland, in the city of Cleveland on Lakeshore. So we moved from Lakeshore to Upper Valley and there was a, a neighbors across the street that wouldn't let their kids play with us. They wouldn't let us come over like the other kids and they moved out within six months. <laughs> like You know what I mean? And there was no other reason other than we were a black family. It, it is what it is like. And we were one of the first ones that came to that neighborhood. You talk about the other cycle, which I did not mention because I really don't care if middle class people are priced out of <laughs> um, uh, uh, Sylvania type things. And I mean in like normal housing mm -hmm. times, not mm -hmm. because just rent and, and interest rates are skyrocketing. The other cycle, which I, I, I wrote about, and I and this is where your expertise and experience mm -hmm. is when, uh, when you were a tiny little girl, mm -hmm. um, when I was a teenager, Downtown Philadelphia, we call it Center City. Mm -hmm. Downtown Cleveland, you go there, you work, you get the fuck out. Um, they were not safe. There was nothing to do. Right. Um, a lot of, like downtown Detroit, you you went down, you worked, you went home. And then something in the early 2000s changed. It was just mm -hmm. the normal age of these cities. They needed to be they needed to be modernized. Redeveloped, yeah. And by the time I got back to Philadelphia, would go back and visit in 2010 and 12, places where I wasn't allowed to be before had coffee shops and trendy right. clubs, and there was a Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. And I, I've never been, but I saw it happen in Philadelphia. I saw it happen in Detroit, where I would work at Hockey it Town Cafe. In mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And it, it, and I just like that's part of the cycle as well, and where 
Um, if I were to draw a pie chart, um, going back to the 90s and 2000s, uh, downtown in a circle, not great. A little bit outside of that, um, probably pretty bad. And then where, where we were in the city, but close to the suburbs was pretty good. Now it's, uh, those people have moved to the suburbs or farther out in the suburbs, like exurbs. Downtown is, is a desirable place to live, work and play a little bit beyond that. There's even more coffee shops and condos and what were once downtrodden neighborhoods. And then those people have been pushed up to places where the Eric and Alex's have moved out of because they can now afford those places. Mm-hmm. And there is a wide spectrum of color and socioeconomic status. And that's where Paul lives right now. Mm-hmm. It, I don't, it's hard to explain with the Toledo, the area of Toledo that we're, that we really are talking about and that has been a part of this discussion and I don't know if, you know, you can bring in housing that markets to hospital staff, like to the increase in potential hospital staff. But like the, at the intersection of Burn and Glendale, there was a, a legitimate stabbing and then a shooting up the street at at airport in Burn. You know what I mean? At the Circle K. So like, I don't I don't know, like, you know, the, for this. I'm glad I'm glad you're vexed because I don't know how to I don't know how to fix this. Um, either. Oh yeah. Because no, I don't think you can. These people have valid concerns, mm-hmm. and it is a multi-pronged, um, multi-pronged solution scenario where again, landlords can't live in California and not be mindful of their properties and just use them as investments. Um, police have to be involved, but if you didn't notice, we're, we're kind of short-staffed and we have we have to take care of LaGrange before we worry about more isolated incidents in South Toledo. Residents have to be responsible. Um, the city has to be responsible. If you get a bunch of calls about a problem in Gage Toledo, you got to take care of it. Because as the one police officer, a middle-aged black woman, explained perfectly last night, it's the broken glass um, scenario. If you see broken glass, you're going to see more around it in a, in a neighborhood. Like, I use the litter theory. If you see litter, you're more likely to litter. If you don't see it, you're less likely to litter. So it's a very complicated problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I at least I think I gave those people some, some seeds of thought to consider. Um, you brought up, like... Uh, medical professionals utmc is right there maybe you know instead of what you think is coming in there maybe you'll have a 26 year old who's on the way to being an actual brain surgeon but i get that they they think the worst and again other than so many hands trying to fix this this is just the cycle that may continue long after we're gone because it's happened for so long now and I also think that um, what they may not realize is you are now the minority. You know, when you're talking about this area and you representing that person that lives, again, like kind of within that middle to upper middle class, takes you own your home as opposed to rent your home. You have the capacity to like fix your car repairs if you were to have an unexpected, you know, cost that hit you. like. You don't have any food insecurities like you don't really have to budget out your stuff. You are in the minority in that area like you you just are in my in, in my I don't know unless you have a different thought. I, um, I, I think 
you slowly become the minority. You just yeah. described the the Weisbergs um, on Foster Street in Philadelphia. It was middle to slightly upper middle class. Um, mm-hmm. We were the like my best friend when I was a kid. His dad had a Corvette, a really you know white collar factory job. Um, his mom drove a, a Cadillac, but we were best friends, and they did not act like snobby rich people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mostly like, and there were the, my neighborhood now where I live is very much like the neighborhood where I grew up in. Um, there are people of different colors. Um, there are black people. There are mm-hmm. black people, white people of slightly different socioeconomic status, but but a, a good neighborhood. Um, but as I, when I was getting older, before I moved away, we had a lot of immigrants move into the neighborhood. Um, a lot of um, Indian people, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Eastern European people. And I can't tell you why other than some people moved. These people are new to the country. They have the money to afford this. Mm-hmm. They move in and they are different. And we're talking like the 80s and 90s where there were some there was some xenophobia, um, which has continued with what these people are not used to. When people are different from you, yeah, you you have some disdain for that. And more people need to take the time to understand these people, not like learn the language or anything, but realize that they're not going to destroy your neighborhood, at least as your first thought. But the neighborhood slowly changed. Um, yeah. House by house by house. And now when I go home to Paul's neighborhood, like I, I think I told you, I was scared driving around the neighborhood, mostly because it was very loud and busy and it, the, the traffic was a nightmare. But their Walmart, the, Paul's Walmart is closer to the Glendale Walmart than any other Walmarts. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really the case when I was growing up there. You know, and I will say that the home that I grew up in, when we purchased it, it we were in that like pool of families that that apparently got fraudulent bank loans when the bank industry was really like screwing people over and we didn't know it. So here we thought we had our golden ticket to get out of this poor neighborhood where literally our Christmas presents were stolen out of cars when they were in cars waiting for us to go to sleep. So you know what I mean? So like we really thought we had this golden ticket to move to this nice neighborhood. And a lot of these things I didn't know and understand until I got older and my parents finally told us and you know, the neighbor kids across the street that were our age, my brother and I, we weren't allowed to go play with them and we couldn't go in their home. And then all of a sudden they moved out. And I do remember when they moved out um, because we were able to go to their going away party and everyone was crying. And I said, well, why are you leaving if, if you're just so sad to go? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like everyone was sad that these kids were leaving. And I and I truly didn't I didn't understand and whatever they assumed we were going to bring to the neighborhood we didn't you know we took care right. of our yard I was out there planting flowers every season with my mother I don't think we ever had any run-ins with the police we never you know and we didn't have money so I I learned I knew that you know I, there were nights where we the house was heated by the oven and I had to sleep in my coat so I understand those things and we lived across the street from a house the house that I spent a lot of time with the Kelseys at um, that was very expensive and had a pool in the backyard, you know? So, and we got to play with those kids and the other kids up up the street and around the corners. So, you know, it, it it's a cycle that happens really everywhere. And 
as, like I said, as, as we got older, we really got to see that the families that were moving into the neighborhood, the kids aren't playing outside, the homes weren't being taken care of, there was potentially more crime, more, you know, more of these things happening. But that represented really a socioeconomic status. You know, like I said, when we moved into that neighborhood, I think we were still considered like middle to low income. Um, and that wasn't a neighborhood that reflected that at the time. So it was it was our stat our our economic status, not us as a black family. Somebody needed to tell that family across the street that ended up moving out. And these people that I sat next to last night, they don't care what color you are. Um, right. They just didn't explain yeah. that that well in whatever council meeting. It, it, it's the money and like how you live your life. Yeah, um, and and I say all that to say, and I know we're wrapping up. Just because there may be more low income housing or. Uh, like middle to low again low income housing doesn't necessarily mean that people are not going to take care of their stuff right you know and they're the people that aren't are probably the minority just like we we have heard repeatedly the people in these crime-ridden neighborhoods 95 percent of them do not want the troublemakers there they're scared to come out of their house right um one final thing where people might be listening to this and they're like you're forgetting about something um a lot of the white flight and so on and so forth and it's it's exacerbated now where it, it seems like places are actively trying to destroy uh, public school systems in cities mm-hmm. is schools. I, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. It probably was the catalyst for a lot of my friends and um, people that were slightly older than me moving from Northeast Philadelphia to Southampton because better school districts. And that's still a thing now. And... Man, I, I've read so much lately about school choice stuff and talking to Sheena and other things. And and there's a blog I read where people, they just want to see and, and they just want to see uh, public city public schools die so that they either, they either die or they're forced to give students what they need. But schools is a huge component of this and where people decide to live. And I don't know if school choice will help or hurt this talk that we're having right now. Well, because it's all connected. I mean, yeah. you're, you're wanting to remain in the city or live in a city. Your taxes go to those schools. And so if you leave that city or if people continue to leave the city, then the schools get less funding. Yeah. And, and not only that, schools get less funding based on their performance. And if there isn't quality, again, all of it is connected to one another. And these are probably the same individuals that would also say no to ed choice. Like, you know what I mean? So like you get an ed choice voucher. And so somebody that lives in off LaGrange gets to go to school somewhere else so that they have an opportunity, but then they get pushed back. Then there's quiet protest or not so quiet protest against those students at the community meetings as well or at the town hall meetings and it's like well what do you want from them right (laughs) you know what i mean so it's it's just truly unfortunate and it does represent so that's i mean this is good conversation in that couple where again they're not wrong in many ways they really represent a, a part of the population that in some ways just can't make up their mind or can't think outside of their own their own that is just self-centered to the point where it's like they can't think for as about the community as a whole you know you think about yourself people are also probably yelling just say the word it's, yeah it's nimbyism it's like, nimbyism they That's they, right. they they want people to have a safe place to live in a good home mm-hmm. just not next to them <laughs> right 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 
Um, all right, good chat. I appreciate that, I, and I am truly um, thankful that you are as vexed as I am trying to come up with <laughs> a way to fix this because it's just this this avalanche of an unstoppable cycle that seemingly happens repeatedly and maybe it'll tweak a little bit as the decades go by. But, you know, I, I knew it was going to happen because I've now seen it at, in home, Detroit, mm-hmm. in Allentown. And when everybody was like, how come everything's happening in downtown Toledo? I'm like, just, I know you're you, the old South end needs to be fixed up a little bit, but if you just like let this play out and when it's successful, it will spill over into your neighborhood. And yeah. sure as shit, wish I would have, wish I would have bought some, some housing in uh, some real estate in Vistula for like seven cents on the dollar. I mean, they should look into what Cleveland did around the University Heights area and where our area hospitals are. So uh, Cleveland Clinic, University Hospital, and Case Western Reserve University were all really in the same general area. And they, at one point, even up to me moving to Toledo, it was not safe to really be out in those areas after dark. If you had to go from the hospital to your car, like say you were working late and you had to go from the hospital to your car, you had to keep your head on a swivel. Where now they have built it up so much. There's museums down there. There's all these things where it's truly an enjoyable place where people may want to live and move. But I think to a degree, and I, again, it's been quite a while since I've lived down there, it is still relatively affordable. So the two things are existing at the same time. It is also just a couple blocks from East Cleveland, which is <laughs> a story for another day. But um, they were able to build it back up and it's beautiful and people want to move down there and want to live there. And it's not this nimbyism, you know? Yeah. All right. Good chat. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.